As they're going down, turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 24. We'll be looking tonight at verses 13 through 35. It's a very familiar story to many of you. Luke chapter 24, verses 13 through 35. Tonight we continue the third week in a series entitled Rendezvous, Encountering Christ on the Way is the title of tonight's message. All of us have expectations for our life, things that we kind of hope will happen in life as a child. I had uh, certain dreams. I remember being a small child, and I dreamed about being an astronaut. I remember watching those first astronauts land on the moon. I dreamed about being a policeman. My brother ended up being one. I dreamed about um, being a red skeleton dancer. Now, that dates me quite a bit, but um, every, every, I don't know what night it was on, probably every Saturday night, we watched Red Skeleton as a family, and, and there were dancers that opened the show, and, and they, would, uh, they would run and slide across on their knees and throw out their arms, and we had tile floors down in our, in our TV room, and I would run and slide across the tile floor and open up my arms. I also... Watch Fred Astaire dance, and uh, he would dance over top of a chair, just balance it all the way down, and I practice balancing over this chair. You know, we have dreams as children, don't we? And then we, our childhood dreams move to uh, adult, real-world dreams. Um, we dream about, you know, the college we might attend. I, I was a gymnast in high school, and so I dreamed about being a world champion gymnast. I was a skier, and dreamed about the opportunities to, to be a ski bum, and I was for a long time. But we have dreams. Uh, some of us dream dreams of, uh, of the school we might attend or getting into that special college or university or that person that we might marry or the house that we might someday acquire, what type of job we would have, how many children we might have. We have dreams, don't we? It's a part of our nature to dream dreams. But nobody ever dreams of growing older and at age 36 having cancer. Nobody dreams of being fired at age 54. Nobody ever dreams of being divorced twice by age 45. Nobody ever dreamed of being depressed and alone at age 26. Nobody ever dreams of not being able to have children. We just figure that's a part of our dream. And yet, for many of us, our dreams don't always end up the way that we had hoped. Life is not always easy. As a matter of fact, it's through the difficulties of life that we often find the purpose of God for our lives. Tonight's lesson, the focus of tonight's lesson is encountering Christ in my closest relationships. The story is found of two disciples who are followers of Christ, whose dreams had been um, dashed, if you will. The master they had loved, the master that they had revealed, the master whom they cared for and had followed for three plus years had been horribly put to death. 
a cruel death, a, a degrading death on a cross. People mocked him and spat upon him. It was embarrassing. Only weeks before, the, these disciples had had high hopes of this leader leading them out of the bondage of the Roman oppressors. The tyranny of the Roman occupation. And now this Christ, this Messiah, their master, laid in a, in a tomb. And it had been three days and their hopes had been dramatically dashed. For them, their dreams, their expectations were over. The report that Christ had risen began to filter through the people at that time. But they were confused. and They couldn't make sense of that. How could that be possible? These women must not have understood what they saw that morning as they testified about angels and Christ appearing to them. They had hopes that this Christ would be the Redeemer, the one that would redeem them. Luke 24, verse 13. Now that same day, two of them were going to the village called Emmaus, these two followers of Christ, about seven miles from Jerusalem, the opposite of direction that they should be traveling. Instead of going to Jerusalem, they were going back home. They were giving up. Their hopes had been dashed. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. Think about that. They were kept from recognizing him. You see, when we encounter Christ, we don't have to be downcast. The reality is Christ is all around us every day. He dwells in us, the scripture tells us. He is with us. It was Jesus who said, never will I leave you and never will I forsake you. It was Jesus who told the parable of the 99 who were safe and accounted for. And he went looking for the one and we were that one. He comes to us. We read in Romans chapter 8, verse 38, these words. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any other powers, neither a height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, we know the promises of God. These followers of Christ also knew the promises of God, but their faith had been dashed. How often do we find ourselves in the same situation? Christ is with us, but we fail to recognize him in the midst of our trial. You see, the trials are so overwhelming to us. The difficulty is so difficult that it's hard for us to see Christ in the midst of the difficulty. I went on a trip with 187 teens and adults to Mexico one year. It's one of my favorite stories. 
And when we got there, I'd made all these arrangements, and we were going to have to work on the Sabbath in order to get everything done. We had uh, four groups building 12 homes, and, and we had to station things out and travel. And so the first day of work was actually on the Sabbath, so we got up and we had, we had worship. And then we went to our designated work sites. And, and we had three groups going across the border. One group went to the lake. In truth or consequences, New Mexico. And I had my own chef. And, I mean, we had organized this whole huge trip for 187 students and adults. When we got back that night, I, I realized that one of the groups went out without their water. And, of course, it was 100-plus degrees heat, and it's the hardest day of work where you're mixing and pouring concrete. And, and, and there was a guy by the name of Fred, a big guy. And I could just see him walking in that night. He was exhausted. And I feel terrible because they left without their water. We had ice in their coolers that we'd filled up the night before. They were to fill the coolers with water before they left, but they failed to get done. And so they only had the water that was in each of their individual containers that they took, each student took with them. I'm thinking, Fred, is, Fred has got to be angry with me. You know, I'm after all, the buck stops with me. I'm the guy in charge of this whole trip. And, and, this, and, and in addition to that, when we got back, we were to go to the YMCA for showers. And even though I had a contract in hand, because it was a Sunday, and even though they had agreed to be open on that day for us, the communication wasn't there with their staff, and we showed up and no one was there. So here we were hot and sweaty and miserable, and I can't see the solution, and I can't focus on the problem. Fortunately, one of my adult sponsors says, Rex, I noticed a public pool right down the street as we drove in. And there were showers there. And it was like a light bulb came on, obviously. The answer is obvious to me. And yet the answer is often so obvious to us, isn't it? Christ is with us. And yet in the midst of our problems, we, we fail to recognize that God is with us. If you read on in the scripture, you'll read that um, Christ is revealed when they sit down and eat. And they break bread together. And their eyes are open. That speaks to us. One of the reasons I think we fail to see Christ in the midst of our trial is because of the lack of fellowship with the Father. We try to fix it on our own. We try in our own efforts and instead of just trusting in Him. I know that's easy to say and it's harder to do. And yet Christ promised that he would be with us. That he would be our shepherd and our guide. And, and he would walk with us. So when we encounter Christ, we do not have to be downcast. For he is with us. We are not alone. He is our shepherd. The psalmist wrote in Psalms 3, 3, in the English Standard Version, it reads, But you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory and the lifter of my head. He is our strength and he is our shield. 
He asked them, Jesus did, of the disciples, those followers of Christ who were walking on the road. One of them was named Cleopas. They asked him, are you the only one, are you the, one of them named Cleopas asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, Jesus asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, a powerful in word and deeds before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. Our hopes have been dashed. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. You see, for these followers of Christ, as far as they understood, Christ was still in the tomb. He was present with them, but they did not recognize him. And if you listen to the words here, you observe that Jesus acted very wisely to these downcast disciples. He waited for them to speak. He listened to their hearts. He allowed them to air their troubles. You see, it's important to allow the burdened heart to express itself. When we have someone who's going through the valley of life, a believer or a non-believer alike, it's important that we take time to listen. You see, a lot of times in When our dreams are dashed, people want to express those feelings. They're hurt. And we allow them to share that. It gives us an opportunity then to share Christ and the hope of Christ with them. And Christ does that. He listens to them. These two troubled followers of Christ, though they did not know, they they knew it not. They were telling their sorrows to the one who could care for their sorrows the best. The truth is, you can tell your friends, Katrina, about your burdens, your heartache, and you will find some relief. But relief comes when we go to the Father, when we share it with the Son, Jesus Christ. You see, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16 says, Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Oh, it's important to go. It's good to go to a friend, a brother and sister in Christ. But it's more important that we go to the Father and we go to the Son. Let us approach boldly the throne of grace. It's also interesting to note that in the discouragement, they, they were headed in the wrong direction. They were headed in the wrong direction. But when we encounter Christ, we change directions. You see, when I was, before I accepted Christ, I was really living a life that was self-centered. It really was all about me. When I asked Christ to come into my heart and my life, I changed directions. And I began walking towards Christ. I didn't understand what all that meant. 
But there was this change of heart and change of direction. The old had gone. The new had come. I was learning. I was beginning to grasp what it meant to be a follower of Christ. I was indeed working out, grabbing hold of my salvation. As the Lord taught me. Kevin, you may not realize this, but uh, I struggled with language. I struggled with some issues in my own life. And it didn't immediately go away, but as I began to walk towards Christ, He began to renew my mind and to change me. I had issues of jealousy. I had issues of anger. I had issues. I had issues. (laughs) But as we allow Christ to change us, And mold us and to shape us into His image. As we are obedient to His Word, He transforms us. So when we encounter Christ, we change direction. These followers of Christ, they were going the wrong direction. And so they changed directions. We see this is true of the the prodigal son. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am, starving to death. I will set out and go back and say to him, Father, I have sinned. It's a decision to change course, to change direction. We continue in Luke 24, verses 27 through 22 through 27. We find Jesus pointing them to the Word of God. They were telling the story about All that had happened over the past three days. They said, in addition, some of the women amazed us. They went out to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But they did not see Jesus. He said to them, Jesus speaking, How foolish are you, and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken to you. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in the scriptures concerning himself. So Jesus turns them to the word and points them to the word. You see, there's no better guide when we are discouraged than the Word of God itself. When we face the whys of life, when we face the deep questions of life, we find wisdom in the Word. When we go through hardship, we read words like James, Consider it pure joy, my brethren, when you face trials of many kinds. Why? Because it develops perseverance, and perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And all of a sudden, the hardship that we're going through, we understand it. We know that we will be stronger because of the trial of life. And so the Word of God gives us direction and hope. When we are discouraged and confused, it's easy to focus on our problem and to fail to recognize Jesus as these two followers of Christ had failed to recognize Christ who was with them. How often, how often do we fail to recognize Christ with us? Let us pray.
Lord, the truth is, every follower of Christ in this room tonight, if you're honest, would probably confess there have been moments and times in my life where I've been so focused on the problems i failed to recognize Christ. Even though he was present with me. These two followers, even though you were with them, failed to recognize you. And yet, when they broke bread with you, their life was changed. And their eyes were opened. And their direction changed. I pray, Lord, tonight, as we have studied your word, when we recognize that when we are downcast, that you are with us, that we would recognize that you desire that we change direction and that we keep our eyes fixed on you, and that we would understand that we encounter Christ, you change our destination, not just in eternity, but in this life as well. I pray, Lord, that you would bless each of us as we go from this place tonight to understand more fully that we are loved by you and that you came to be with us and to dwell in us. Help us, Lord, to learn to trust you more. And we pray all this in the name and the power of Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed. And as you go, there's some of you that can help.